Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please note, season one of this podcast was recorded before the passing of our beloved Suzanne Summers. Suzanne, we love you. We miss you, and this podcast is dedicated to you. We're two stepsisters bonded, living Hollywood lives. Even if one of us is watching for the very first time, all the good, the bad, the barky, take a peek inside. Let's rewatch and relive the good times. Came in and they can give you deja vu. Hi there. This is the Step-by-Step Rewatch podcast, where we break down every episode of Step-by-Step in order. I'm Stacey Keenan. I played Dana Foster. Hi, I'm Christine Lakin, and I played Al Lambert. We're going to tell you how it was and what went down because we We were were there. there. We were there, people. It was 1991. Remember that year? Barely. (laughs) Barely. I feel like I am like a hippie, uh, you know, retired hippie, and you're asking them about the 60s, and they're kind of, hmm, I know I was there, but there's a lot that I don't remember. Let's put, but look, for today, we watched the first two episodes, right? The pilot, which apparently has an air date of September 20th, 1991. And then the first episode after the pilot. And yeah, a lot came flooding back. Well, what I find so interesting. So, you know, I was 12 when we started the show. And of course, my mom taped every single episode VHS. We're talking, you had to be a ninja. You had to be a, 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 have an engineering degree. (laughs) Um, to know how to program your VCR. She taped every episode. I watched 
probably almost every episode, but I was the target demographic. I was 12 years old. I was like, I'm going to be on TJF. My career has peaked. Still true. <laughs> um, so I watched them all, but you never watched the show. That I you were never on. did. No, my mom also, and you're right. Back then, you needed to be a NASA aeronautical engineer, literally, to program a VCR. My mom was not good at tech, but she figured it out, man. She recorded every single episode, commercials, all of it, and I never watched them. I I think, I mean, I was the target demo too, right? I mean, the target demo was kids 2 to 17 and women 18 to 34. Um, I think I was 15... Maybe when we started, like right. when we shot the pilot, I think. And then but maybe I feel like a lot of 15, 16 year olds, even if they, they, you know, say that they're not watching the show, it's mostly because they want to feel like, oh, they're too cool. They're going out. They're doing stuff. I mean, maybe they are, but you know, I don't think they would admit to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I didn't watch it not because I was too cool. I just didn't, I didn't want to see myself. I didn't want to cringe and just hate the way I looked and the way I sounded and all of it. I just, it was too stressful to contemplate watching it. It probably would have been good for me to watch it. I probably would have learned some things and been better, but I, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. So what was that like now that we're rewatching these episodes? And it's been a minute for me too, because it's not like I've been <laughs> watching myself throughout the last 30 years. That would be kind of weird. Um, but it's now because it's so accessible. I have found it really interesting revisiting these early episodes because there is a lot that came back to me almost like a dream when I'm like, I know the yeah. punchline to this joke. Oh, yes. Totally. Yes. I had the same thing. Fragments, things that people would say, and you'll, we'll talk about some examples of this coming up, but that I never knew what was the source of it. And it, and I'm watching it going, oh, that, that was a line from this episode. I never knew where that came from. But yeah, it, it is, it is a bit dream, dreamlike. It, it is. was another, another life. It, it certainly feels like it. Uh, well, if you're just tuning into this and you've never seen Step by Step before or you're starting to, you know, wanting to rewatch it now, you can find Step by Step streaming on HBO Max. Yes. All the seasons are available. And today we're going to break down the very first episode, which is the pilot. Yes. And that is a good point. If you want to watch along with us or rewatch along with us, if you will, you can catch Step by Step streaming on Max. So like Step by Step was kind of at the time, like the anti Brady Bunch. We came out, it was like early 90s, blended families were a new concept that people weren't really talking about because divorce was like an ugly word. But I think it started to become more in the pop culture to talk about a blended family. And the fact that we weren't this hunky-dory family that just like got along, I think for many people, at least fans that talked to me, it was something that a lot of kids really related to. Ah, Yes. It'll be really interesting to hear the conversations that people who were fans of the show have had with you versus conversations that they've had with me. Oh, sure. Because even just in the, we were just sitting here kind of breaking some stuff down and chatting before the show. And clearly you've had conversations with fans about stuff that I have not had. So I'll be interested to, interested to hear about 
that. Yeah. But yeah. And you know what used to make me mad when the show was new and it was getting some snarky reviews, as I recall anyway, some of them were saying, you know, even the characters' names are the same. So the Brady Bunch was Carol and Mike. uh, And this is Carol and Mike. It's not Carol and Mike. It's Carol and Frank. Mike was the dad on Brady Bunch. Am I wrong about that? I think you're right. I haven't looked that up. I used to watch the Brady Bunch. Nick at Night. I don't believe it was Frank. No, it was, sure it was, it was definitely Mike. Mike. Yes. So uh, that was just kind of unnecessarily snarky for those reviewers out Very, there in I the agree. early 90s. All right. So shall we? Let's dive in. Okay. So Pilot this episode, is people. season one, episode one, title of app, Pilot. Now, for those of you who, I don't know, are less familiar with how the TV production thing goes, the pilot episode is typically going to be the most carefully written episode of the entire show. It's the script that had to be presented to get some network to buy the show. So usually your writer's room is going to be cranking out episodes week after week. They have hiatuses, so they have time to catch up. But your pilot episode is going to be written carefully crafted line by line. And then most of the other episodes are not going to be that way. <laughs> this is this is the this is the banner episode for the network to either yay or nay on this show. So the pilot episode is really different from every other episode, and it has to have a lot of for a lot of people. It has to have a premise of some kind. Not every pilot is a premise pilot, but this one really was in that, and that means that it shows you exactly what the show is going to be about. So yes. in the episode, something big has to happen that is changed, alters the course of these protagonists' lives so that you, you go to play out whatever this, you know, result is going to be for the rest of the years that hopefully it's on. Well said, Lakey. Um, yes. And then you have to set up the characters. And a network sitting there looking at it is going to want to know, do we like these characters? Or or even if we don't, I mean, I think back then it was more important to like the characters. I think having unlikable protagonists is more of a thing now. If you're not going to like them, are you going to care about them? Are you going to want to hang in there with them and see what happens? So there's a lot of there's a lot of pipe that's got to get laid in, right. this, in a pilot episode. Sorry, there's going to be a little bit of chair noise here. Okay, so I'm going to start with the titles. So I didn't remember this at all, um, but really the opening shot is saying where we are, which is Port Washington, Wisconsin. Right. Apparently, uh, this is a real town where one of the creators, Tom Miller, grew up in Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure that sign is not the real sign in Port Washington, Wisconsin. No, but it can't be because my mother is the woman in the red jacket and the white pants. In the background? That's right. Oh, my gosh. So, the very first opening moment of Step by Step, a, like, Ford Explorer or something drives through, and you're... (laughs) (laughs) There's your mom. Shout out to Karen. Shout out to Karen Lakin. (laughs) She is the woman, the one, like, sole person just, like, walking along the road. Just strolling. She's having a power walk. She's having a power walk. It's the 90s, early, early, 91, why not? They were literally, they filmed these opening titles for the pilot, you guys, which is the other thing that's crazy. Doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) Because there are no opening titles anymore. But just the the idea that the first two days that we even shot, before we shot anything, they shut down Magic Mountain, California, and we went, <laughs> they shut the whole freaking park down. They did? Yes. I don't remember that. And we went to film at Magic Mountain. Like, I, I can't get over the amount of money they must have spent. There's a, look, 
Say they you- knew this thing was going to go. They were like, screw <laughs> it. We're going to put all of our eggs in this cart. You know, say what you will. You either love the show or you, you, you know, have a wry eye towards the show or whatever it may be. But I watched these first two episodes marveling a lot of times at the amount of money spent that would never be spent today. No. And this title sequence is one of them. Yeah. Um, Anywho, so it, for people watching, it may not impress them as a particularly dazzling title sequence. I didn't even remember that we shut down the whole park. In my mind, it was just that we were in the park somewhere, but of co- we had to have because there's there's shots where you can see big swaths, big oh, yeah. areas, and no one else is there except, you know, extras and us. No, listen, I got the job. I have peaked. This is a show <laughs> that is, you know, possibly going to be on TGIF, and I'm going to Magic Mountain to shoot. I'm like... Are you kidding me? This is like the greatest thing that's ever happened in my 12-year-old mind. And then we get there and like, well, you can't ride any of the rides. We have stunt doubles for you to go on Colossus because it's not safe. And I was like, oh, this sucks. This Wait whole a acting thing is a, is a ruse. Wait a minute. We couldn't. Okay. We so weren't on that ride. We weren't? No. So thousands and thousands and thousands of people still ride Colossus to this day but it was not safe enough and they needed stunt doubles? That's correct. Okay, people. Uh, that <laughs> shot where you see us going over the yeah. road, those are stunt doubles. And then there's a shot of us like waving. Yeah. That was on a green screen. I remember the green screen part, but I don't remember that we didn't ride Colossus. I mean, look, you know, if you choose to come to LA, there is Colossus. And I no, think- no, they, no, there's not anymore. What? Yeah. They, they tore it down last year, maybe two years ago. You're kidding. No. I went there for my COVID-19 shots. I could swear I was looking at it. Did no. they put another one similar? Because wasn't the yes. big deal with Colossus is that it was a wooden roller coaster? That's right. And I think it literally started to fall apart. So, so But did they build like an exact replica or something? They because built something else. Okay. All right. Well. I know. There there you go. Well, go. You get it. You know what, guys? Just go and write it anyway. Because you'll also realize that there is no ocean underneath. We're going to get to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. okay. Continue. So, right. So, we're in Port Washington, Wisconsin. As You know, we're establishing that. And then you see this, you know, what now we would call an SUV. That was not even a term then. That was not a common term at the time. No one knew what that. But anyway, this big old vehicle pulls up and the family all hops out and you see them going through the turnstiles and everyone's running and excited and wearing primary colors. And they go charging into the park <laughs> and they're at this theme park. So we see, of course, our first title credit is Patrick Duffy as, you know, the patriarch, paterfamilias of this family. One thing that I really respected about Patrick watching these credits for the first time in a hundred years is the expression that he gave. They probably wanted him to just, you know, gaze at his family as they're running off into the park and they, they're all excited and the kids are all happy. They probably wanted him to give this big, warm, fuzzy smile, kind of like the dad on Little House on the Prairie or something. And instead, he gives this look like, "Eh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so much more realistic. It's like the look that a real dad would give. And I just thought, oh, Patrick, good for you. You know, that's that's real. Yeah. Then we see Suzanne Summers as our second title credit there, who is going to be Carol, who's the mom, of course, of the family. Suzanne, as Carol, is wearing a peach crepe blazer. Blazer. To an amusement park. Yeah, it seems hot. It seems hot. It seems doomed to destruction with that many kids climbing all over her. Yep. 
And it's crepe. I mean, we're talking dry clean only. Yeah. So I was mystified (laughs) by the outfit, but I also, there's something about it that kind of makes sense. It's this 90s thing of, listen, if you want to look pulled together, you put on a blazer. That's right. What else could you possibly do? I mean, I remember... I think she's wearing jeans, so it was a cash. Yes. It was a cash, like, you know, business on top, but I'm still momming on the bottom. Yes. She has, like, a light wash jean, a cowboy boot, probably. Suzanne was a fan of the cowboy boots, and it was definitely of the moment. She has some kind of, you know, Henley-type top, a belt, and then this this blazer. But it really makes me remember, at that time, the age that I was at this the time we did this pilot, 15 or 16, I remember going to the Glendale Mall and buying as the the signature best item in my wardrobe, and we had to have a big powwow about like, could we spend the money to get this, was a Guess blazer, double-breasted navy sure. with brass buttons. I know exactly what blazer you are talking about. I probably wore it around. Yes, you did. I have a picture of you at with the it. time. So this is something that you might wear if you are the vice director of HR for a corporation. Except I was fifteen wearing this blazer. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine because she was wearing it to Magic Mountain. So you know what? Uh, yeah. It, okay. Anything goes. We see Christine Lakin uh, appear somewhere in these credits. She is a tiny peanut. She is the size of a June bug. She is a mini, mini miniature. I could not believe how small and tiny and just what a baby you were. It was just st- stunning. My husband comes in as I'm watching this episode and he goes, oh, how old are you here? Eight? I'm like, no, it's 12. I thought you were eight. Later in the episode, we're going to find out how old Al is. Yeah. But I had, I don't remember any of this. I had no idea. And I thought, okay, Al is eight, question mark. Um, but wait, before that, before my credit, of course, is yours, is Stacy's. Now, why a 15-year-old is wearing lavender overalls at all, I'm not even talking about it to an amusement park, is just beyond me. It was a purple overall. I want to say, was it a pink shirt underneath a t-shirt um yeah it was a shorts overall a shorts overall now when they presented you with that were you like "Mm, okay or were you kind of like i don't like it but i'm just gonna not put up a fight i don't remember i don't remember i mean i was told a little later on in the step-by-step you know, trajectory. <laughs> we had some new costumers come in at certain at a certain point. So I was a little older and a little more worldly wise. And we all got to be really good friends and we liked each other a lot. But one of the costumers, Patty, recounted to me that when I first met her, I I kind of don't really I, hey, maybe I remember doing this, being like, hi, I'm Stacy. Anyway, um I do not wear yellow, orange, green, any autumnal colors. I want everything to have sleeves. <laughs> I want everything to be knee length. I do not wear pants with flats. I do not wear jeans. And giving her this whole breakdown, and I I guess she walked away from that understandably being like, wow, what a (laughs) And she's (laughs) 20 years old. (laughs) Body dysmorphia, folks. Fun for everybody. That's right. That's hilarious. So I don't remember if I, I probably wouldn't have had the nerve If they said this is what you're wearing, I probably said, okay. The thing that really sucks is that, so we made these opening titles and I mean, I might be, you know, 
uh, this might be too much information, but we made these opening titles literally the first day. And then, you know, five years down the pike, we all looked like children in them. And they were like, all right, we're going to go ahead and redo some of these titles, but we're not going to go back to Magic Mountain. So we're going to reuse some of the footage that we have. And then just for like our close-ups, we're just going to redo it, but we're going to do it here on the lot. We're going to make it look like, you know, this is the 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 carnival scene and we'll redo the ball pit. So we're older now, like 15, and I have to put that stupid outfit on again and slide, like get in the balls and like do the thing again. We had to put the same clothes on. You were probably like 19 years old. I mean, we it was did? ridiculous. Oh, yes. I don't remember that either. You were in overalls and it was like, what is happening? Why are we, what? Oof. We have to redo this? Oh, yeah, boy. I remember that being very strange. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember that either. Well, <laughs> see, these are the things I'm reminding you of. I know. So, you know, we see Patrika, poor Patrika Darbo. I say poor Patrika Darbo, not meaning poor Patrika, but poor Penny, her character, because this title credit for her partly sums up her entire role her entire journey on this show she plays carol the mom of the family she's carol's sister and what happens in pennies or you know the actress is patrika the character is penny what happens um as we meet penny carol's sister penny is turning around from getting a big old tray full of snacks. There's popcorn and there's cotton candy, whatever there is. And she kind of just, ha ha, turns around and she has all these snacks and things there at the amusement park. And then all the kids and everyone just run in like vultures, grab something, don't acknowledge her, don't, just nothing. They just, and that's kind of the like, ha ha little joke of her title sequence there is they just run in and grab everything and then they just run away and then penny is just standing there with this marauded tray of of amusement park snacks and she gives this oh oh well okay i guess i'm just i guess i won't eat i guess i'm just no one notices me or considers me i'm just carol's sister and i thought wow that really sums up Penny's journey. Really and we does. just got it in that one moment. I know. So let's get to the insane green screened uh, lake question mark. Yeah. That is somehow lapping at the very foot of this massive roller coaster that everyone has been riding on. Uh, oh I'm God. watching this going, uh, okay. So if someone falls off of the roller coaster, which is maybe why we needed stunt doubles to even <laughs> do this roller coaster sequence if someone falls off they fall directly into the lake, lake. that has waves i mean it's wisconsin right gotta right. be a lake and it's lapping there are yeah. waves that are lapping if this was a wooden roller coaster which is what colossus was supposed to be i'm pretty sure the roller coaster would rot because there is waves lapping at the foot of this roller coaster well and this it's is the, such a crazy way this is the funniest thing to me so the reason they put the waves there because they're cgi'd but oh, we're talking 1991 CGI. And it wasn't good. Yeah. And you can tell. Good. It goes like sideways. It goes in. It goes out. It's it goes sideways. It's pixely and wacky it's looking. It's wacky. But it's because that was the parking lot. And in this wide overhead shot, which I don't know how they did. And they, back then, there's no drones. There's it no had drone. to be a, a plane, a it, helicopter. Yeah, probably. Money, 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 money. Why not? Yes. Hey, ching, ching, ching. Why not? Let's get, a, let's get that money. 14 cranes and, you know, Yeah, we got some network money up in here. So, and then, so then they put this, like, crazy CGI, like, you know, wave machine in to cover up the parking lot. And I guess make you think that we were in 
a, off a lake in Wisconsin, but people would be like, isn't it based in California? I saw the waves. I'm like, no. No, it's, remember no. people, the first thing we see, Port Washington, Wisconsin, we <laughs> oh, are in God. the Midwest. It was so but, funny. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this roller coaster is not up to code. I'm pretty sure you cannot build no. a massive roller coaster on the sand of a lake. No. I, I, I think the inspector is going to nix yeah. that particular roller coaster. <laughs> if your sunglasses fall off, sayonara. Like they are right. in the dark blue deep of the lake. Although I will say the only ride that we were allowed to ride was that big boat. Remember, we go up in the boat, we come down, Carol and Frank are on the bridge, and they're like waving to us, and then we come in the boat and they get soaked. Yes, it was a, it was a thing of, um, uh, you know, a spl- uh, like a log flume type yeah. of ride. Yeah. And that one I was actually really excited to ride. I like, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was like, woohoo, we get to go ride this, like, this one ride. It's the only one we get to do. Uh, and Carol's peach colored crepe. Blazer gets drenched straight to the dry cleaners. The crimped hair is no longer. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay. So, now we're into the episode, and we have some titles on screen, which seems pretty unusual. I don't... Are we going to get this in later episodes? It doesn't ring a bell to me, but we learn this is his house, and it is a cute little house in a cute little neighborhood. It's nothing fancy. It's just a cute you know, kind of middle. Yes. Cute. Yes. Bungalow sums it up well, but bungalow fitting for the Midwest, you know, style wise, it works. So now we're in the kitchen and we have Frank's three children. So this is JT played by Brandon Call. Now, again, if I had to guess watching this show and I had to guess how old JT was supposed to be, I would say 14. Yeah, that seems about right. Al, the daughter, who's the middle child, who again, I would have thought was eight years old, but turns out was supposed to be 12. (laughs) Miss Lakin was a very petite and tiny peanut of a 12-year-old. And then we have Brendan, played by Josh Byrne, who is so cute. So cute. So cute with the chubby cheeks and the dark hair. He is absolutely adorable. He looks like he's supposed to be about six. Yeah. Maybe. That's what I would think, too. So the kids are sitting at the kitchen table in this house. And... The kitchen is time to call Child Protective Services. Yeah, it's definitely... We have a hoarding situation. Mm -hmm. We have unfit living conditions. There are dishes piled. It is... It is... Insane. Yes. Also known as 90s when you're a dad. If you're a dad, you... What are you supposed to do? Do a dish? Yeah, no, come on. You can't do that. That would be crazy. That would be nuts. No. So the kids are sitting around and they're trying to apparently feed themselves breakfast because it's a school day and they're heading off to school. Where's dad? He's being a dad. He's not here. Who knows? He's showering. Who knows? Whatever. So the kids are lamenting um, as they're working their way through the boxes of cereal. That are all empty. They're all empty and they're, they're realizing there is no cereal. There is no food in the house. So then Frank comes out and the kids are saying, oh, dad, you know, there's no cereal. Turns out, everybody, hope you're sitting down. Frank went away for a week. Apparently, he left the kids at home for a week. Were we just by ourselves? I think so. That is, listen, if there's, if you find evidence in the text that proves me wrong, please let me know. But it seemed like they had been alone for a week yeah so again uh, here comes child protective services frank's going away for child neglect yep. and abandonment yep 
Not a concern at the time. The kids are just home alone. Frank's in Jamaica, by the way. He wasn't, you know, in Helsinki, you know, or addressing the, you know, the war crime, crimes tribunal. Or, I mean, he was just in Jamaica. You know, like, it makes me think if they were to redo this pilot today, just because of the way the world, they would have to quantify, oh, wow, well, Mrs. So-and-so who was taking care of you, they would have to quantify, like, what went wrong, you know? It was like Shameless. It was literally like an episode of Shameless. No, it was no problemo. Frank partied his ass off in Jamaica for uh, for the past week and left the kids um without food. Without food. In a filthy house. Or maybe there was food, but the kids have run out of food. There yeah. is now no food. So then... Upon being confronted with this information that there isn't any cereal, Frank finds a bowl of cereal um, that has been left on the counter and has congealed, complete with a spoon, I guess, stuck into it. And it has hardened into a cement-like block. Block. So he's able to pick it up, the entire bowl, by the spoon handle. And he says, oh, no, look, hey, we're still cereal right here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so are the kids supposed to eat the rotten food? I don't know what is going on here. And the laugh track is just rolling like, okay, it's fine. So then he, so Frank, basically his position is, look, you're fine. You know, uh, I'll get some more food. Um, I'll get some more dishes because then he chucks out the congealed the bowl. bowl and spoon into the trash. He kind of hustles the kids off um, to school. And Al tries to say that she's sick and that she can't go. And Frank uh, is aware of Al's shenanigans. So Frank says, oh, is it, you know, he's kind of doing the testing for the fever thing. And he's saying, are you sick or is it a spelling test? And so Al is busted. So Al just goes trooping off to school. And as they leave, we see a badminton racket propped up on a side table near the door. So this is classic 90s, um, hey, prop department, the place needs to be a wreck. So what do you do? You, you know, Animal House, step-by-step -step sure. pilot, a badminton racket, just random. Yeah. Just random, random crap everywhere. My favorite moment of that scene is when Brendan gets up from the table and takes his backpack and they have now littered the top of his backpack as if his backpack went on the top of that table and never left for weeks. And there was just oh. cans and wrappers and things that just... And so and then he takes the backpack and it all falls on the ground. And Frank oh. doesn't even <laughs> register it and we all leave. Is that what it was? I couldn't tell if he sw like swept the top of the table off with his backpack or if there was stuff on top of his backpack. Yeah, but yes, as the kids walk out, we are left with... Now the chaos has hit the floor because he just sweeps the stuff all over the place. And yeah, no one bats an eye. Everyone just leaves. So that is his house. Now, I think at this point, we should take ourselves a break. Yes, we'll take a little break. We'll get back in with uh, what her house looked like after this. And we're back. So at this point in the episode, we see uh, another establishing shot of a house. This time, the house is a little more, a little nicer, I would say. It's not a fancy house. Craftsman-y. Yes. Two-story, as opposed to Frank's bungalow. Mm -hmm. um, it looks a little more... South Pasadena, not so much Port Washington. But you know what? I'm not going <laughs> to split hairs, guys. Yeah. It's not, again, not opulent or fancy, but... A certainly a well-kept, nice house, two stories. It just looks a little more, what's the word? A little more put together. Yeah. 
than Frank's house. And we get this title card, her house. The kids are in the kitchen. I am there again wearing shorts overalls. I I what I don't know. Why? I don't know why, why are they doing this to you. <laughs> why why I, the I'm obsession? Like, oh no. I'm like again, they did this to her again. For whatever reason. I feel like it's the only episode I saw that and then I think the shorts overalls thing transferred to me and then I couldn't get out of it for years. But but I feel like this was I feel like the pilot was the only episode and then when we went to series, I feel like <laughs> someone put the kibosh on that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it was, hey, we, you know, this is a teenage girl character, but we don't want her looking rebellious or sexy or anything like that. She needs to just look like a kid. Right. And the customers just said, okay. Overalls. Overalls. Um, (laughs) So here we go. So I'm treated to another, another pair of shorts overalls. So Carol comes rushing downstairs. She is late. And we come to find out that Carol is a hairdresser. And she has um, a hair salon that is adjacent to the house. It is connected to the house, kind of steel magnolia style. So there is a Dutch door that passes between the kitchen of the house and the salon on the other side of that Dutch door. Carol comes rushing down and she's asking Dana, you know, why didn't you wake me up? I'm going to be late. I have an early appointment. Um, And Dana informs Carol, well, it was your first day back from vacation from Jamaica and I didn't want to wake you up. And then Carol says something about, okay, but you know, I don't want to be late. And then Dana says this super shady line to her mom where she says, mom, you're a hairdresser, not a heart surgeon. Get some perspective. Right? (gasps) Right? I couldn't believe how shady that was. I know. Dana, again, what a But you know what? All of this is laying, like if you watch that, that scene in particular, it lays so much pipe for who these people are. That's what the brilliance of that scene is. So Mark, who played by Chris Castile, he's like the younger brother. He's there with all these balls. It looks like some kind of science fair project. Yes, he's working you know, on some. He's afraid that it's not going to be good enough. enough. And, you know, but of course, it's about like genetic research or something crazy. Yes. And he's like, what, 10? Right. Or something. 10 years old. That feels about right. Something like that. Right. So already we're getting the contrast between Frank's semi-feral, neglected, (laughs) semi-abandoned and starving children with Carol's, I don't, I forget. Brainiac. Yeah. We have this super, yeah. The 10-year-old is afraid his solar system model, you know, what somehow has it having to do with genetic research is not good enough. And then there's like, you know, Karen played by Angela Watson, and she's on the other side, obviously, like looking in a compact, you know, a beauty queen, she's all worried about her face or complexion. Yes. (laughs) So it's the contrast of this kind of these people seem to have their act together, I right. suppose, is, uh, yeah. is what we're what we're getting. Um, meanwhile, Carol is wearing a kind of a delightful number. I really enjoy that dress. I enjoy it too. It was a pale yellow, double-breasted coat dress. Coat dress. With kind of a, you know, not a giant collar, but a somewhat wide collar. And it has the double-breasted down the front. Um, and just very timeless. Yeah. I would say it's. I would wear that dress. I would wear it. It was serving me a little bit of, um, stewardess realness. Yeah. Yep, yep. A little bit of old fashioned diner waitress. Yeah. Um, but form fitting, flattering, loved it. Can't help but notice that Carol is also rocking a nude stocking and a heel. Nude stocking and a heel to go hairdress, guys. So Carol does not play. No. Carol is working at home. 
basically. And she will put on a pair of pantyhose for you at apparently 8 a.m. Yes. And a nude heel. So respect uh, for Carol with this whole ensemble. Her hair is done. Makeup did. Everything did. It's nine to five, guys. It's a nine to five situation. Yes, I was feeling it. Then Carol goes rushing. Oh, and then Penny comes in and says, you know, oh, you know, you've, you've got a client. You're running late. Let's go. So we make our way into the adjacent salon. Which is probably one of the few times we're ever going to see the salon in the history of Step by Step. Yeah, I don't think the salon and associated family members were long for this world. No. Um, But Carol goes whisking off into the salon. And here she is greeted by Penny. We learn that Penny is her sister. um, And her mom is there as well. Their mom. Yep. Mom to both Carol and Penny. So grandmother, of course, to Carol's three kids. Played by Peggy Ray. Yes. Oh, did we give the names of the kids? So I played Dana. Dana was Carol's, is Carol's oldest daughter, followed by Karen, who is Carol's second daughter. So let's say if Dana was supposed to be 16, Karen was maybe supposed to be 15. I guess. You guys seemed like the same age we to me. We seemed like the same age. Really worked out. And we looked nothing alike. I think it was trying to avoid the whole Brady Bunch thing of three blondes on one side and three brunettes on the other. So Angie has dark eyes and magnificent mane of dark hair. Man, her hair looked amazing. Her hair. Oh, we could just have a side podcast about I, that hair. I could literally, like, as we go through these episodes, there are going to be some choice hairstyles. Oh, yes. The things they did with her hair. She has so much hair. So she has a hair. mountain of hair. If you are a hairdresser and a hairstylist and you are faced with Angela Watson's head of hair, God bless ready. you. Get ready. Because yeah. first of all, it's going to take you an hour to blow it dry. Yeah. Because there is a mountain of it. But then just the fantasy. Oh, the fantasy. God. It is more hair than any wig. Forget about styling a wig. This is more hair than that. For so sure. What the things that you can't do with this hair. For sure. By the way, we also have to just remark that Suzanne Summers as Carol... Of course, also has fabulous hair. Fabulous hair. And is wearing this like crimped style that I really have to say, I'm I'm kind of here for. See, I didn't like it. Really? And I was shocked because I always thought Suzanne looked so pretty, so glamorous. I always loved her hair, her look. Um, I just thought she was kind of flawless. So I was sort of stunned. It's rewatching this like a bold choice for a pilot. I have to say for pilot hair. I think it was probably very much (laughs) of the time and perfectly of the moment, but she does have fabulous thick hair and it looked kind of fly away and which made it look almost damaged, which it's not, it wasn't. So I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Not here for it. I was not here for it. Okay. So here we are. We're in the salon and now I, I don't know what to call her except grandma, because I don't think we learned this woman's name, I who is either. the mother of Penny and they Carol. They just kept saying mom. Right. It's mom and grandma or grandma. We, I, are we ever going to learn this character's name? I, that, well, they don't want the audience to know it, clearly. I guess. So they wrote it. So Penny is all over Carol going, ooh, and the mom is joining in with this as well. You met a man in Jamaica, didn't you? You met a man. You met a man. And Carol is being evasive. She's going, uh, I met all kinds of interesting people. She's giving answers like that. So she's not saying no, 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 but she's brushing off the question. Right. So Penny and her mom knowingly look at each other and say, she met a man. They can tell from these evasive answers that there's more to this story. So then, lo and behold. Who's her 10 o'clock? Knock, knock. (laughs) Frank shows up. 
And yes, he is there to see Carol and to get his haircut. Uh, and then Carol very coolly and calmly um, offers him some coffee and he very calmly says he would like some. And then she asks if he wants to help and he says, sure. And since the kitchen is right next door, they step through that double door into the kitchen of Carol's house and immediately they're all over each other. Like all over each other. This was an 8.30 show. He has her like <laughs> basically bent backwards Pinned on the kitchen on the island. Her leg is up. The dress is the going dress up. up. They are like mashing. They are smushing. It is like it is like a hot, sexy, from here to eternity type kiss. Yes. You have two of like the sexiest, hottest sort of, <laughs> you know, icons, I think of the 70s and 80s. And they're just like going at it. Right. And for those of you who this is perhaps going too far back, uh, depending on what time period you came up in. But um, Patrick Duffy, who plays Frank, of course, was on Dallas and was a heartthrob and sex symbol for his entire career. Yep. As Bobby Ewing, there's the famous shower scene where he's in the shower and it was all a dream. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, he is a sex symbol. Uh, no, no questions asked. And then, of course, you have Suzanne Summers' Three's Company, where she plays this kind of dream of a blonde bombshell. Yep, Chrissy Snow. Yes, famous Chrissy Snow. So, anyway, so... My daughter was, when she saw that, by the way, she was like, oh, so much kissing. <laughs> I was like, I know. I, like, almost wanted to cover her eyes, which is the funny thing. They're just kissing. It's fine. But there is something so, like, oh, my God, like, shocking about the yeah. amount of kissing that happens. It goes zero to 60. And so then Carol breaks away from this kiss. Now, don't get us wrong. I mean, she's clearly into it. There's This is a very hot and mutual makeout sesh that's going on. But Carol then you know, disengages herself and says, I want a divorce. <gasps> Surprise! They are married. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We learn in the course of this scene that they ran into each other, quote unquote, in Jamaica and got married. So how did this happen? Well, questionable. Turns out they've known each other for three months. Yeah. Is that right? Is, did I get that right? And Carol has been cutting Frank's hair for three months. And I kind of like this line. He goes, because Carol is having all these reservations. Like, how could I have been so impulsive? How could I have done something so sudden? And, you know, I barely know you. And Frank is saying, no, you've, you've known me for three months. You've been cutting my hair for three months. You're the one who convinced me to keep the gray. 
which I thought was cute. Line. There was a lot of actually really, really cute zingers yeah, in that, this episode. That was cute because Frank is rocking a very solid salt and pepper here. Speaking of great solid. hair, is this the great, with some exceptions, including myself, this is a great hair cast. I agree. Patrick Duffy, whoo, what a head of hair. What a head of hair. Still rocking to this day. So... Carol then says, I'm afraid our relationship is purely sexual. <laughs> and he says, but we can build on that. <laughs> we can build on that. Because <laughs> Frank has none of these reservations. He's just, let's keep making out. Well, yeah, his house is a pigsty. I mean, he's got to get out of there. He's ready to he's jump He's got to have sex new. with Carol right now, right now. in the kitchen yep. at 10 a.m. Totally. He has zero reservations. However long he's been out of whatever relationship he had before, which they never comment on, whether yes. and we never see our other, like I, Al Lambert had a mom, a biological mom, but we never see her. No. We, we just assume that maybe she's passed away. Maybe. We don't know. So, yeah, he's definitely, he can't, he can't wait. It's been a minute. He, yes, he cannot <laughs> wait. Um, well, a minute since Jamaica. Correct. Right. So, Carol's talking about fate and Frank says, well, yeah. In other words, fate that they would have happened to have gone to Jamaica at the same time. And fallen in love. From Port Washington, Wisconsin. Right. And then Frank reveals that it was fate and Velma, which is Carol's travel agent, who told him where Carol was staying. Uh, he mentions what flight she was on, when she was going to be there. Stalker. And <laughs> suddenly we're teetering into, hmm, The Graduate, super charming movie. Right. You know, at the time, just hound and harass the the woman that you want to marry until it, it, until actually chasing her down and hunting her at the altar of her marriage to another man until you convince her. To be with you instead. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a little bit of that. And yep. I thought, um, you know, Carol's reaction is, Oh, that's so romantic. <laughs> well, and he, I do love when he goes, he's like, yeah, it, uh, he makes some comment like, like how he's feeling like a little bit like, you know, regretful about that. That maybe it was, oh, that's right. Maybe he's, it wasn't so great. That's it. He starts to say, Oh, and I feel a little bad about that, or I feel a little guilty about that. And then Carol is kind of musing over this and she goes, Oh, that's so romantic. And he goes, And proud. <laughs> and proud. Guilty, yes. Yet proud. Right. Okay. So yeah, that you're right. There is some kind of self-awareness of it. But I mean, yeah. if, if you, how would you feel if, if that happened, if you knew a guy for three months and you worked with him in some capacity professionally, and then you just happen to run into him in Prague and you're both in Prague together. And then you just have this crazy, what's the word I'm looking Leak for? Romance. Whirlwind yeah. romance and get married in Prague and come home and you're married. And then he reveals that he, I don't know, hacked your account or something. What what would be and the stalked me to get there? Present day version of finding out all of your travel arrangements right. to learn. I mean, what would you would you be into that? I have two words for you: red flag. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit of a red flag, but you know why I think I think it totally depends on if you are attracted to that person. All and bets are been, off. Right. I mean, Carol is clearly, they are hot for each other. Yes. And that is very clear from this scene. I mean, I remember working on a movie in Canada. I was 19 years old. There was a, a grip that I thought was super cute and sexy. And I was supposed to be a snowboarder. I was a skier, but I also snowboarded in this movie. So 
there's a shot where I snowboard into the shot. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's all the same things with insurance. I mean, I was not allowed to ride the lift practically. I wasn't allowed to <laughs> snow, to ski or snowboard on my days off. None of that. And, but they needed me to snowboard into this shot. So they used a really tiny little slope, tiny, tiny, just a couple of feet mm-hmm. so that you could see me actually ride into the shot. But then, of course, they didn't want me to unstrap from the snowboard and take it off and walk back up every time. Right. So they had this one grip who just happened to be the one that I thought was so cute. They they had him push me on the snowboard back up the little slope each time. Well, one of these times he What a job. <laughs> one of these times he just grabbed my ass, just uh-uh. full blown and then like played it off like, oh whoops. But he was kind of flirting. If I had not already been attracted to him, it would have been like call the union. Right. <laughs> uh that like we have a predator in our midst, call security. Because I was attracted to him, I was like, oh my God, stop it. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's not sexual harassment. No. I like it. It's great. Frank doesn't Loves come him. across as like a cyber hacker, let's be clear. No, he like, doesn't. It's he, pretty much like he, you know He loves this woman. Yes. And he's just he's just playing with the deck that he's got and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out. Right. You he's know? attracted to her. Perhaps he loves her already. She is clearly very into him. So I think, yes, it's it's not creepy (laughs) in that regard. Now, in this very first scene of what will become, you know, this family eventually in this kitchen, we already have Frank wearing a blue shirt. Right. In a blue kitchen. Right. Where it's varying degrees of disembodied heads (laughs) floating Against this blue background, because look, blue looks great on everybody, great color, yep. but they just happen to make this kitchen this very specific shade of blue. It's kind of blue, like a chambray type of blue. Yeah. So it was it was funny how even just from the very first scene, we already have the blue on blue problem. They ended up having to repaint the kitchen. Oh, did they change colors yeah, eventually? Yeah, they, they did. I feel like it might have changed between season one and two. Really? Yeah. I remember Ronnie Hallen, who is our one of our producers, uh, Gary Marshall's sister, for those of you who, you know, are interested in the interworkings of Hollywood. <laughs> but she, I remember, was like always like, ah, it should be like smoking outside. She was like, the damn blue on the blue. And, ah. Like she hated it. And then. Yeah, because yeah, it was it rough. Yeah. And it happened several times, even in the first couple episodes of the show, the first two that we yeah. watched for today. And in fact, Ronnie was in charge of doing the gag reel at the end of every season. So there would be the cast and crew party at the end of every season. And Ronnie, being the editor, she would cut together this gag reel. And no one, the, it would be, you know, unveiled at the cast and crew like party. the best part of that party. Oh, everybody loved it. And it, they would screen this gag reel and everybody would laugh and it was great. And then, you know, everybody, the, the crew members, everyone would be acknowledged and included the, in this thing. And it was great. But it maybe it was the first season gag reel one where Ronnie put the together. Blue, blue on blue. Yeah. La, 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 la. And it was all of these disembodied heads floating yeah. in this blue <laughs> kitchen. So basically, it, and at this point in the scene, Frank has talked Carol off the ledge. You know, they, it, it, yes, she's feeling like this was too fast, too impulsive, but clearly they are into each other and they want to make it work. So then they're trying to figure out how to tell the kids. So Frank kind of hatches this plan where they're not going to reveal that they got married. What they're going to do is they're going to get all the kids together. They're going to give the kids an opportunity to kind of get to know each other. They'll start dating. They'll get engaged. And then within an acceptable period of time, they will, quote, get married. I mean, of course, they're already married. But that's how they're going to publicly 
present this. And of by course, lying. by lying to the family. <laughs> and Frank is already frank and kind of off base because he says, well, what's an acceptable amount of time? Two or three days. And then Carol looks mortified. Yeah. The camera just kind of pans, you know, zooms in and she's just like, oh, oh, oh no. Right. Um, so now we're at the next scene where apparently this plan is taking flight um, because Frank is bringing his kids to Carol's house to hang out with her kids and they're going to have a barbecue. Frank is wearing khakis and a mint, pale mint green button front shirt. They were pleated khakis, I'd like to point out. Wow. So for a man who lives in filth (laughs) and abandons his children for a week at a time while he goes to hunt the woman that he's in love with and lusting after. Yeah. Suddenly he pulls it together with a pleat front, clearly pressed khaki pant and a immaculately pressed mint green. Yeah. Also perfectly, yeah, perfectly pressed shirt. Yep. Tucked in. He had some good style on that show, I have to say. (laughs) It didn't change much, but man, he always, he always looked pretty good. Yes. Yes, he did. And that is Patrick Duffy for you. Yeah. (laughs) So then the Lambert family, that's Frank and his kids, they roll into the house and Carol introduces Karen, her younger daughter, the middle child, and Mark. But Carol is so nervous that she gets Mark's name wrong because she is literally, you know, kind of trying to pull this off, has got her kind of over the edge. And then Al, in a super shady stone-faced killer kind of way goes, you're very nervous, aren't you? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Super shady, kind of mean. I was, again, surprised. Kids Um, say the darndest things. (laughs) Kids are super (laughs) shady, including tiny little Al. So then my character Dana comes in, donning a pink scoop neck dress. Drop waist. Scoop neck, drop waist. Scoop neck, which is a... A, a cut that I cannot stand to this day yeah. on myself. Fine for other people. On me, mm-mm. Hey, I think it was a big upgrade from the shorts overall. Sure. I was probably delighted to get out of the overall shorts. Um, it has a crocheted hem. Yeah, the drop waist look. Oh, wow. Mm. Rough. And looked, I thought it looked pretty good on you, I have to say, at the time. Oh, thank you. I was kind of, I was surprised by how much I did not like this, uh, watching it today, and flats. Flats. And a, yeah, kind of a pink ballet flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, okay. It's a lot of monochromatic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then uh, sees JT there, Frank's oldest son, and says, oh, oh my God, it's the rat boy. And apparently JT at some point had put a dead rat in my locker. So I, these two know each other at school. Yeah. I love when he says that line, it was alive when I put it in there. He like becomes someone else. Yeah. he ha- Dana does not scare him at all. And that was one of those lines where Brandon Call, who played JT, for years would say that See, line. That line. I, I didn't remember where it came from. Oh, really? He would go, he was alive when I put him in there. Your gym socks must have killed him. And I really didn't remember. I, I knew it was some reference to the show. I just didn't remember oh, from where. Yeah. He took it all the way back to the pilot. Talk about some hair. Now, he also had quite the head of hair at that time. It was yes. feathered. It was bouffanted in front. It, it Like, I've I watched that hair be created. It took like a good 20 minutes, a lot of gel, and his mother's long, long cat woman-like fingernails <laughs> that would comb through it, and then a hairdryer. 
It was a work of art. Uh, well, yeah, that I do kind of remember. His that. mother did his hair, not not the oh. hair people, because it had a specific look. Okay, mm-hmm. it's serving me Elvis. Yep, I'm getting a little bit of 50s meets the 80s greaser pompadour. Yes, a little bit greaser pompadour. I'm I so, I like it. I like it. I mean, it was, it was good. It was a look. My hair was, I think, hot rollered. Definitely pink. I remember you had the pink spongy hot rollers. Oh. Oh. Okay. I don't remember. See? These are the things I remember. But I remember spending all of my life in rollers. You were in rollers a lot. There. Yes. Meanwhile, Um, they'd be like, okay, we're going to put a brush through yours. You're good. (laughs) I was like, all right. Oh, guess that's it. (laughs) Guess that's all I get. Yeah, I was surprised. I kind of liked my hair. I was like, oh, it looks kind of big and poofy and kind of 90s-ish. I it was, was really nice. I was feeling it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm no Angie Watson, but it was. It, I, I didn't hate it. So, yeah. So, we leave off on JT and Dana kind of locked in this death stare. So, JT has become a gangster straight from the streets. Yeah. And Dana is just the prissy b- that she is. And it's... You know, uh oh, this is not going to be as easy as we thought. We thought we'd get the kids together and everybody was just going to kind of get to know each other. And the kids are already at each other's throats, basically. So now we cut to the backyard, which is a sound stage, everybody. Oh, yeah. It is a sound stage to, yes, that yes. is an, I don't know. That's some astroturf. <laughs> astroturf. And also a, a, an artificial bougainvillea that is climbing on the side of the house. I'm pretty, I don't think they have bougainvillea in Wisconsin. Yeah, definitely not. They were, it's like everyone forgot that we were making a TV show about the Midwest. <laughs> and it was just sort of all part and parcel. It was kind of South Pasadena meets. Meets the Midwest. But and we'll put some jackets on the kids every now and then. Yeah, I, I that I do remember. I remember being like, wow, it's always summer in Port Washington. Right. Because if you didn't get a lot of, you know, blizzard scenes or snow piled high against the door no. or, or, you know, people coming in in snow pants and snow suits. Every so often they would be making us wear a jacket. Every so often. Yes. Or they, yes, someone would be like, wait a minute. This right. is supposed to be Wisconsin. It can't be summer all year round. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Um, but yes, there was a lot of summertime because, of course, this was... Southern California, where we're making this show. So we find out that um, tiny little Al, who is kind of a gr- like an eight-year-old tiny baby, is a thief and is into voodoo. Yep. Well, Patricia Darbo's character remarks on my puka shell necklace, and I say, "I didn't steal it." Right. Right. So it's so yes. So, so here's Carol's sister. One, but you know. <laughs> right. So she says, "I didn't steal it," and then I'll kind of let slip. I guess my dad brought this back for me f- from Jamaica. I didn't steal it. I, what I wanted was a voodoo doll, but whatever. And she goes stomping off. And then Penny, instead of being disturbed by the fact that Al is very used to being accused of theft and is into voodoo, instead immediately. Gets that's the light bulb. Wait a minute. Jamaica? Frank was in, and you know, and, and Penny is aware of Frank. He's a customer at the salon. And Penny, like, thinks he's hot and is eyeballing him and stuff. That, wait a minute, Frank just got back from Jamaica. So did Carol. Hold on. And so, hence this intuitive sense yeah. that her and nameless grandma had <laughs> that Carol met a man. Here it is. Ding, ding, ding. And yeah. Penny just put it together. So now we move on to Frank and JT by the barbecue in another, I was kind of stunned, kind of shocking comment. JT calls Carol a bimbo. Yeah, a bimbo. (laughs) Bimbo. How about that word? 
Again, I kind of fell off my chair with the shadiness of it all. Not only does he tell Frank that Carol is a bimbo, but he tells his dad that he can do better. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, Frank kind of steps in and is like, hey, watch your mouth. Don't talk about her like that. She's smart. She reads books. Art ones, you know, actual hardbacks. <laughs> so then Carol calls all the kids to eat. And we know that Carol is a fancy bitch because she says, children. <laughs> Children, time to eat. Children. It's like um, a sound, the sound of music. Yes. You know, it's like uh, the, the governess is calling the children to the, the, the supper table. Yes. And she's also, can I just remark, she's wearing this like salmon colored, orangey salmon colored. her signature color. Wrap sleeveless dress with yes. white polka dots. Yes, which I didn't hate at all. I find it very fetching. Yes, it was cute. It was a look. There it's was very barbecue. Yes, and not dated. Vibes. You could wear that yeah. dress today. I mean, it had that kind of, you know, collar situation happening in the front. Um, but the whole thing, the color of the pattern, it was it's a maxi dress. Yeah. Uh, it also totally into it. worked, I thought. So Carol is calling the children to come and eat. And then uh, Karen runs in screaming that Al got ketchup all over her. And then she attempts to display on her purple swing dress shirt, (laughs) sleeveless mock neck number that she's wearing over a pair of like pink skinny pants. She is demonstrating uh, an invisible spot where supposedly Al got ketchup on her. Um, and in this moment, um, she calls Al a midget. A midget. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Look what that midget did to my dress. Yes, that is what she actually says. Yeah. Okay, no no bueno there, Karen. So... Al, no, I'm not eight, but <laughs> I know I look eight. <laughs> so Al is, you know, all saucy and sassy and, and says, essentially, you know, if it, that was an accident, if I really wanted to get ketchup all over you, I would have done this. And then she has inexplicably one of those ketchup squirt bottles that you would find in a diner yeah, in the, the 1950s. Restaurant. Like, <laughs> right. It's not, you know, a, gla- a glass or plastic Heinz ketchup bottle. It's one of those. But anyway, she uses that and then she actually unleashes on Karen and fully hoses down yeah. the front of her purple trapeze totally. number with ketchup. And I remember um, when we shot this because they, you know, it was a whole thing. We had to be very careful. And they were like, listen, we're going to do this, but we're going to try to just do it once. But please try not to get it on, don't get it on faces, don't get, and they were like, it was like this over and over and over thing. Of, don't hit the face. Uh, don't hit the face and try not to, I was just like, okay, okay, like I'm going to do my best. It's not every day that I'm just trying to, you know, put ketchup on someone. I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know the trajectory of this. In the course of this show, we were covered with food. A lot. So many times. So many times. This, watching this, I could feel yeah. the sensation because what happens next, shocker, everybody, is Dana jumps in and calls Al a little criminal for assaulting her sister Karen with the ketchup. And then, of course, JT completely hoses down Dana with the ketchup on Dana's pale pink drop waist That dress. I remember so specifically. You I do? I feel like I did a pretty good job. I did like an up and down, but it wasn't awful. You know, I, I didn't get her, her face. He just took that thing. Brandon Call took that ketchup <laughs> bottle from my hands and he got, it was like blood, like super soaker. So it was like all on your torso. Gut wound. Yeah. And it looked wet and cold. That's the thing. Watching it, I remember 
the cold and the stickiness and it's, you know, it's ketchup, it's sweet and it's sticky and it's cold and it's wet. Oh, so disgusting. And then Dana goes, you people are savages. Can't you even uh, argue without throwing food? And then Dana immediately grabs a handful of what appears to be lettuce and starts this food fight. And then we, We you know, just devolve into this massive food fight. Penny then brings this whole the food fight is on it's full blown all the kids are throwing food there's food flying people are screaming um ruining this what was supposed to be a nice barbecue for the kids to meet penny then brings the record scratch with um and and penny is just insouciantly munching on a hot dog but she just throws in i bet you two wish you were back in jamaica <gasps> record, record scratch. scratch that brings a halt to the food fight dana goes you went to jamaica Together, Carol starts hemming and hawing, saying, well, we went separately, which is true, but, you know, together. And then JT fully cracks the case. I get it. Well, not fully, almost. I get it. That's why we're here. You're already dating the bimbo. The bimbo. And this time he says it out in front of everyone. And Frank, because he's pissed, um, goes, watch your mouth. And we're not dating. We're married. And everyone literally goes. That is the act break right there, studio audience. So a couple things about this. One thing I remember is that Suzanne Summers had a rule that her character didn't lie. Oh, I didn't know that. You don't remember that? See, no. th- it's funny also the things that I remember versus what you remember. Sure. I remember her explaining that part of Chrissy Snow on her character on Three's Company is that Cr- she did not want Chrissy to ever lie. And I, I guess she related a story of, of an episode where the writers or the producers, they wanted Chrissy to lie about something. And, you know, that show was all about big misunderstandings sure. and they wanted Chrissy to lie. And she, she fought them on it and said, Chrissy is this kind of pure heart. And she may, she may not be the smartest, but she is pure of heart and she would never purposely lie or mislead anybody. If mm-hmm. something, if there was a misunderstanding, it can't be because Chrissy lied about it. Right. And I believe, as I recall, she wanted that to be true of this character also. So when Carol gets confronted with, oh, you went to Jamaica together, she doesn't lie. She says, we went separately, which is true. Right. She's not going to lie her way out of it. That was something, as I recall, that was important to her for her character to be liked. Is oh, that that's she, so interesting. She doesn't lie. And even, you know, in the earlier salon scene when Penny's saying, you know, did you meet a man? I met all kinds of interesting people. Did you do this? She's giving answers that are true. She's, you know, they're just evasive. Right. But anyway, another thing that I noticed here in this scene, when Frank gets mad at the end and just blurts out that they're married, you can see Patrick Duffy's medic alert bracelet. Oh, is he wearing it? Which he wore at all times. And Patrick is not a jewelry kind of dude. No. And this was a nice gold. I feel like he wore that Oh, he wore it all the time. Yeah. But I, I thought for some reason, I guess I imagined that he would have taken it off for the show. Right. But you really see it very clearly where he throws his arm up and you see, and you can see the yeah. little red, you know, whatever that symbol is called, the snakes, or, you know, this I medical remember, symbol. Yeah. I remember him wearing it a lot. I guess I don't remember him wearing it on the show, but he was probably just such a part of him that I never clocked it. Anyway, at this point, why don't we take a little break? Yeah. And then we'll come back with the last part of the pilot. Deja vu. And we're back. 
So now we've had this, the big reveal. The cat is out of the bag. These two, Carol and Frank, are married. So now we're in front of Carol's house and we have, again, text on screen and we have the word, you know, we have her house, but her is crossed out and now it says their house. I think this was the only time they used titles ever. Yeah, I think so. And Frank's truck pulls up and it's loaded high with stuff. Now this, I actually do remember shooting this scene. This stands out to me. I think we were we were at an actual location. Yep. It was in Pasadena? Yep. Okay, that part I don't remember, but we're at this actual house. The house is still there, and it still looks almost the same. Really? Yeah, I shot there a couple of years ago. <gasps> Get out of here! Yeah, and oh. it was wild to see it. It was oh, wild. wow. Huh. So Dana's there being her shady self, and she says, oh, look, it's the Jode family. Hey, not bad, okay? This is, a, you know, Grapes of Wrath, Steinbeck reference. Right. She's a reader. Yeah, <laughs> right? We're learning something about Dana's character. And yes, t- Frank's truck is, it is Jode-like. I mean, it is piled up. There's just random crap just piled high. And then Dana says to her mom um, that Carol should have reservations about people who can pick up and move at a day's notice. Well spotted, Dana. Yeah, we get well spotted. Again, red <laughs> flag. (laughs) Yeah. Now the kids are all super miserable. You know, there's a lot of long faces, you know, Mark, even Karen, everybody's just looking not happy to have these people moving in. Carol tells the kids to go on, you know, help unload the, the truck. Now we're inside of Carol's house and we hear a huge scream from outside. Karen comes running in and then here comes Al holding a a baby pig, baby pig. And uh, studio audience, this is not a a mini pig. This is not a a teacup pig. It's not a pot-bellied pig. This is a piglet. Yep. This is a piglet that would... Get very large. Would grow to be, I I don't know, 800 pounds, perhaps? You guys, I hated working with the pig. You did? I hated it. Really? I hated it. Not because I hate animals. I love animals. But I had never worked with a pig before. And... Oh? Little tiny... Pigs are very squirmy and squealy. <laughs> and if you don't hold them correctly, oh boy, they will, they will squirm and squeal their way right out of your hands. And when you're working like on a set like that, you have to wait in the wings until it's your entrance. So they would have to transfer the pig to me. And then I would have to sit there and kind of hold the pig and kind of pat the pig and just like be like, okay, just be good, be good, be good. And then like try to make my entrance. And it was always dicey. It was always just, it was always real dicey. They, ah. would, they would pee on me. They would poop on me. They would squeal and squirm away from me. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. The, the pig wasn't on for many episodes, but I think it's because eventually the pig was not a team player no and i think they knew that i was just i had a lot of anxiety about it it was (laughs) just like god it's just this like thing that i have to deal with i hated it oh were you excited at first though i mean you'd think that for a kid oh cool and then i was like they don't like i got the feeling that the pig didn't like it right so So then it's not it wasn't fun it was like trying to hold a chicken if you don't know how to do it it's it's gonna gonna be a struggle (laughs) Okay, I I never knew that. Yeah, I didn't have very many interactions with the pig well, probably because the pig was difficult. You were lucky. So right, pig was a real diva. <laughs> what? So Carol freaks out. You know, maybe this is a mistake because these people are rolling up. They haven't even been here for five minutes. They have not unloaded a stick of furniture yet, right. and there's already a pig in her house. And her house is is nice. I mean, it, it's not um, again not opulent or fancy, but it's well appointed. It's tasteful. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't get the sense that you could eat off the floor. I mean, it's very clean and nice, but it doesn't seem overly uptight is my point. But it's definitely a stark contrast to Frank's yeah. filthy tear down, to be condemned, take the kids away, go directly to jail house. Yeah. So now Frank talks Carol down. He gives her this heartfelt speech. It's going to be okay because we love each other. She's wearing some very fetching pink and purple athleisure wear. And they're making out again. Of course they are. Of course. And then there's there's another scream. And here comes Penny right, running in. There's a pig in the shop. Then she sees Frank and goes, hi, Frank. So she... <laughs> <laughs> Still flirting. Still flirting. Yeah. So we we now know that they're married but it doesn't stop her, like, mid-meltdown from seeing a pig in her shop um, from flirting with who she now knows to be her sister's husband. Right. So, Penny, Penny's, a d- Penny's real horny, yeah. including for her now brother-in-law. We're learning about these characters, okay? <laughs> and this is what we learn about Penny. <laughs> she will just have food taken from her thanklessly yep. by all these vulture kids and just kind of resign to that. And she's real horny. Yeah. Those are her two big traits. So now here we are the next morning. We're in the kitchen again, and Dana, Frank, and Carol are all in blue. Varying shades of blue, but here we are. Everybody wearing blue in the blue kitchen. Dana and Frank are both sporting a light wash denim jean. Uh Uh-huh. A high waist for me. And Carol is wearing kind of a fetching. It's a little, it's, it's, it's serving a little bit Golden Girls. It's kind of a tailored pleated pant. With a and it monochromatic light blue with a light oh, blue yes. collared shirt tucked kind of in a trouser. Yes, but tr- she also has like a flat. She has a flat. It's a trousery pant. It's a long sleeved collared shirt. It's this monochromatic look broken up with a belt. It was it was deep deep nineties definitely. Every I, everything like menswear then. that menswear kind of yes, and thing. everything was. Had to be dry cleaned and had to be pressed. I feel like it was a silk. It might have been silk. It might have been silk. It was quite the look. (laughs) So Carol is kind of getting on Frank because he's just kind of rushing around and being whatever. Um, She informs him that we have breakfast together as a family. And we see, because Carol has her act together, the table is all set. There is a breakfast that is prepared. So everyone, I guess, in Carol's world sits down like the Waltons and eats together. And Frank just kind of blows this off. This is just too structured for him. And Frank also notes somewhere in the course of all this, um, he's all happy because he showered and he didn't have to dry himself off with his socks. <laughs> so again, what we're learning is that in the 90s, men couldn't do laundry. They couldn't do laundry. They were it was they legally were not allowed to. Like they would have to find a woman to do their laundry for them because they just couldn't figure it out. Or even maybe hang up a towel so that it was dry. So you had it the next day. No, you needed a female kind of wife servant to do your laundry. Otherwise, what were you going to do? You were going to dry yourself off with your sock. No one ever taught you. Right. Basic survival skills. Yes. No. Because, I mean, if you're a man, you can rule the world and make all the money, but you certainly cannot press a button on a washing machine. No. Can't. Cannot get there. So now Al is saying that her stomach hurts. Frank just tries to throw together some of Carol's lovely crafted breakfast to make, um, he says something like, look, it's better than an egg, egg McMuffin. Sorry. He throws together eggs and, you know, slaps them between a couple pieces of bread and tells Al to basically go to school and he takes off. So apparently, I mean, Frank has been in this house from what we can tell one night. Right. It is already Carol's job to get all the kids to school. Right. I, I was sitting there going, wait, where, where are you going? Frank, th- this tiny child here is your child. 
Right. Where, there was no discussion. It was just, bye. Were we all just walking to school? Who I knows? I don't know, but it wasn't Frank's problem. Right. That, that's off. It wasn't on his plate anyway, right. but it's certainly not on his plate anymore. <laughs> um, so he just bones out like, bye. So then Carol is being very nice and very motherly towards Al and Al's not having it. You're not my mother and you never will be. I know. Delivered. Ve- I was impressed with a very young Christine Lake in here. Oh, thank you. I thought uh, this was well done to me. Um, you weren't pushing it too hard, but I definitely got the feeling back off. You know, Al was, I could feel it already, that resentment of, I know what you're going to try to do here and don't try it. So then Carol tries to level with her, you know, look, just tell me the truth. Is it, is it hurting or are you really just trying to get out of something at school, you know, a test or something? And then Al just says, it hurts. So then Carol says, well, I'm taking you to the doctor. And then off they go. Cut to hospital waiting room. Hospital waiting room. Hospital waiting room. The entire family is there. Is there. And the kids at this point are coming together the tiniest little bit. You know, the foster kids, well, not foster kids, but the kids with the last name Foster, because they're not foster kids, they're Carol's kids biologically. Anywho, they're expressing to the Lambert kids, hey, sorry about your sister. Sorry this happened to her and and stuff like that. And Karen Frank- is still waiting for her zit to burst. Still looking in the mirror. Still <laughs> yeah. waiting for this undergrounder zit that she talked about in the second scene of the, of the show. Right. We're yeah. not getting a lot of depth from Karen. <laughs> and Frank feels guilty, you know, that he didn't, he didn't believe Al. But we've already seen Al cry wolf in this right. episode. So I kind of thought, listen, Frank, fair enough. The yeah. kids have pathological liar yeah um maybe that's a little harsh but in other words you know i there was a reason for that so the doctor comes out alicia ah so it turns Ah. out that's where we get al from yes it's alicia if you never knew that yes alicia is waking up and she asks for her mother and of course carol's super touched like oh she called me mother and the doctor says no she actually asked for the bimbo i assumed it was a pet name so we're still on the bimbo. We're still line. in the bimbo thing. <laughs> like we couldn't find another thing wow. to say. It's a lot. Feels very harsh. It's pretty harsh. So then Carol goes in, sees Al. By the way, can we just pause for a second? Why was the doctor so tan? Did he you notice was that? Very tan. He was very tan. He was. Was he? I mean, I guess doctors golf a lot, but man. Okay. Patrick yeah. and Suzanne were tan, but this they man were. was like they were, really they were both tan. Listen, very tan. They both got back from Jamaica. They have a reason. This doctor, unknown. <laughs> unknown. Maybe it's some kind of medical condition he has. I don't know. But then Carol goes in to see Al in the recovery room. Al is laying there in the hospital bed, and Al and Carol have this heart to heart. The music that plays in this sequence is truly wild it is off the charts <laughs> level a thousand like a like, heartfelt music it, i mean it is just a blast of this crazy mm, heartwarming music but we can see here well carol straight up says i want to be your friend it's the first step to becoming a family you know, and, and Carol explains, I'm, I know I'm not your mom. I never will be, but I just want to be your friend. And, you know, eventually we'll become a family. And then Al steps in with, well, I am going to be leaving home in a few years. And my dad could use someone to cook for him in his old age. So again, again, fr- men, <laughs> flashback moment here, history. We're learning. We're all learning some history here, folks. Well, I hope this is history. But apparently in 1991, uh, not only were men incapable of washing a towel 
or doing a dish, but he was going to need this female wife servant to cook for him. Or his daughter, who was 12. Right. <laughs> to cook for, for him this- when he was 45? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So here's Al, who looks like she wouldn't be able to reach the top of the stove. Like, she would need to get out a stepladder. Yeah. But she's going to need to cook for him. In, in his, his old age. age. Because, again, he can, you know, support himself and three kids and make yep. all this money and whatever. But certainly he cannot fry an egg. Okay. <laughs> so then Carol and Al hug and this insane music swells. And then Frank steps in at the very end and he sees Al and Carol hugging each other and he is touched. And then we have the very button on the show, the very end of the show. Here, Carol and Frank are laying in bed. And Carol has already fully stepped into the mom role of this family. She is is drafting and crafting her shopping list, her grocery shopping list. And she's already she already knows all the kids' favorite stuff. You know, Brendan likes double stuffed Oreos and so-and-so likes this and so-and-so likes that. Now, Frank is not interested in Carol drafting this list. He wants to f- So he basically wants sex. So it ends with them, shocker, making out. Um, And that is the end of our first episode. I really enjoy in that episode because there, listen, there are many sequences and we're going to be talking about them a lot of the two of them in that bedroom. A lot of the episodes ended with the two of them in bed. And she's wearing, always wearing some like beautiful kind Kind of of negligee. Penoir negligee. And then he is, because I don't think he could be naked. I think that was actually a thing that you couldn't be to- topless or something on thirty television. But he is wearing like, <laughs> it's like a thin, almost spaghetti strap tank top in bed. And <laughs> I always find it so funny when, you know, actors, especially male actors wear these like bed clothes because it just, just never seems right. But on him, there was this like bodybuilder tank top. I mean, it was just like, it was too much for me. I was like, Brandon was like, what is he wearing? I oh, like, I, I never noticed show that. Off, show, off the show off the nice pecs. physique, the pecs, the arms. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, he couldn't be. Look, I remember on an episode of My Two Dads, which was a show that I did in the 80s when I was, I don't know, 11 to 14, maybe. There was an episode where one of the dads gets, you know, I think it's my character, the daughter walks in on him in bed with a woman uh-huh. because he was this artist and his bed was in the living room. It was this right. loft. Greg Evigan. Right. It was the loft in the very early days of the kind of New York loft. So he's in bed with this woman and he gets out of, and he's horrified, of course, and he goes jumping out of bed and he turns away from the camera and we see his entire bare back. Now, look, I don't think we saw butt crack or anything for god's sake this was a sitcom and you know for kids in the 80s but we did see his entire bareback uh sponsors pulled out of the show (gasps) hellman's mayonnaise said absolutely not how dare you they clutched their pearls Pearls? (laughs) and said uh their mayonnaise colored pearls and said oh no 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 we cannot do a bale uh, a bare male back that's hard to say bare male back and yeah they pulled out and we lost sponsors see i'm telling you that spaghetti strap tank saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars and they needed it because they were CGI and oceans. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. Maybe Hellman's issue was, you know, a daughter walking in on her dad having sex with some right. random woman. Right. I don't know, but it was framed as I recall it as we don't want to see his, his God forbid we back. see his unacceptable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this episode was directed by Rich Carell. 
I thought this was directed by a different director. When I saw oh, really? Rich's credit, because Rich Carell directed a lot of episodes of this show and was a really fun guy to work with and very. somebody that we worked with for years, all the way, I think, to the very, very end of the show, I, I recalled it as being someone else. Anyway, but you can hear Rich Carell laughing uh, throughout. Oh, yeah. Um, he has a very distinctive laugh. And, and he does. When, you, when we shot the pilot, we didn't have a studio audience. A lot of the laughter was canned and put in after. Because we just shot as when you shoot a regular sitcom, you would we would rehearse it throughout the week. And then on, you know, Friday, you would do like the show and it would be in front of the studio audience. It would all be live. So you would get the live laughter. But for a pilot, they weren't they don't usually do it that way. So we just literally rehearsed and then filmed scenes as necessary. So uh-huh. a lot of the laughter that we that you do here is the producers and and rich, definitely. <laughs> yes. And then some some canned laughs in here. So, Lakin, what is your worst hair of this episode? Oh, okay. Gosh, I think I'd have to say the worst hair of the episode, because I think you and Angie looked really solid. I mean, mine was, mm, there were some suspect moments. I feel like it was just kind of thrown around. I feel like Mark had the worst hair of the episode. Oh, okay. The, yeah. the also super adorable Chris Castile as Mark, so cute. You could just just eat him up in this. Just so cute and little he was. There were a couple helmet heads, I feel Okay. Like. All right. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm giving worst hair. Sorry, Suzanne. I'm going to give this to Carol. The crimped, wavy, I don't know what that was, but it did not do justice to how fabulous Suzanne's actual hair was. So I would give her worst hair. Who's best hair? Oh, I mean... <sighs> Sorry, I'm going to have to go with Angela on Is that Is Angela one. just going to win every single time? I mean, she might. Yeah. There's, I can't think of a particular creations. look, but the first time we see her, her hair just knocked me off my chair. Oh, it's crazy. It's How just... about when you come out, when we're pulling up in the truck, Jode style, mm-hmm. and you guys come out and she's wearing that like orange t-shirt tucked into an orange mini skirt. <laughs> what in the world? And her hair is just like off to one side. It's like, Perfect. It looks like a Pantene ad. The whole thing. The whole she like looks outfit like a was Pantene ad throughout. I mean, I would probably give best hair to Patrika Darbo as Penny. She has a very solid half up, half down. Yep. She's a redhead, and she's got this curly, scrunchy thing where it's half up and half down. Very full. Very voluminous. Loved it and definitely bought her as a hairdresser with that hair. Yeah. And I feel um, like at the barbecue, she did some, there was some kind of bouffant. It was like a big, like a big off to one side poof. on top. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was pretty great. Patrika's hair is uh, pretty amazing. Well, with that, uh, shall we take a little break? Yeah. All right. And then we'll, we'll be come back. back and we'll wrap it up. We're back. So, Lakin, what is up for next week? Well, next week we are going to get into episode two of season one of Step by Step. This episode is entitled The Dance. If you were ever a fan of TGIF, this has a very special guest star in Jaleel White, who played Urkel. Guest stars on this episode. I didn't remember this as being the second episode. Okay. You're did gonna we think film I'm this out of sequence? Some kind of stoner or something, which I'm not. I did not remember that he was on <laughs> the first season at all. I was stunned. I mean, this seemed very clearly, it's a new show. We need to cross over yes. and get somebody, an established character from an established show. Yes. And get him over here to 
get the audience to stay tuned for this new show. I really felt like, though, that maybe we filmed this out of sequence. I felt like maybe that was actually the fifth episode and they aired it second. I don't remember coming back from when we heard that the show was getting picked up. And being like, oh, God, I have to oh, learn this whole dance here. and Urkel's here? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that would have been more jarring to me. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody. There is a full-blown choreoed dance breakdown. Just get ready. Coming your way it's in this episode. pretty amazing. Yes. So until then, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can write us at keenanandlaken at gmail.com and follow us on social at keenanandlaken. Big shout out to our producer and editor, Stephen Ray Morris. We love you dearly. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.